You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 666 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Monday evening in the aftermath of what was a 125-113 to loss for the Hawks at the hands of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I was in the building tonight for uh, this particular game. I was planning to record a podcast from the arena, but uh, thanks to uh, some unforeseen audio stuff, basically the the in-arena music feed was still running about an hour plus after the game ended, and that kind of makes it impossible to record because it's very, very loud in the arena when that happens. So here I am back at home to talk about this game, and... uh, Obviously, the top-line thought is the fact that the Hawks have now lost 7 in a row and 13 in the last 15. They are now 4-13 and 13 on the season 2-7 and seven at home. And, uh, you know, the Hawks were in good shape at one point in this game, and the second half got away from them in a big way. So we'll talk more about that as we get going here. Of course, there was one bit of news that I want to touch on briefly over the weekend. That's the fact that both Bruno Fernando and Ty Wallace played in College Park on Sunday. Um, Bruno is, is, of course, the more note- noteworthy um, player in that in that swap because he's a, uh, high, a relatively high draft pick. Um, just for the record here, um, the, the, I'm pretty sure the plan all along basically was to have them go and play on Sunday. College Park played their first... Um, uh, played their game, sorry, on got, got their first win, I should say, on Sunday afternoon. It was, it was a 2 o'clock tip-off. And that's one of the things that um, is a positive about College Park being, being down the street, basically. And I asked Lloyd Pierce about Bruno playing four, four games in four days because uh, I know he's a rookie, but playing four games in four days is not a small thing. And Bruno is not playing a ton of minutes in Atlanta right now. He did play 30 minutes in College Park, but pretty noteworthy to have a guy play that that much. And but clearly they're valuing what Pierce described as, quote, game experience, end quote. He referenced having College Park down the street and uh, wanted to always point that out, that that was uh, just a one-day stint for Wallace and Fernando in College Park. But Bruno uh, actually fouled out in that game, but had 9-9 nine and nine with six turnovers and two blocks. Wallace actually had a big game in College Park, 26-7-5 and five, um, for that. But regardless, that's a pretty interesting um, little usage of the G League, and uh, Bruno actually played a big factor, uh, I thought, on Monday night. So we'll talk about him more later. The other thing that was a pregame nod was that Cam Reddish came back after a two-game absence. No big surprise there. There was at least some thought that he could have played um, on Saturday. He was in, ended up not playing in that game, missed two games in a row with left wrist sprain, but uh, was upgraded from questionable to probable midday and then available to play a couple of hours after that. And uh, we'll talk more about the way that he played, but I want to at least point that out, that he was back in this game. The Hawks were four-point underdogs. That was the narrowest point spread for a Hawks game since November 8th, so you know, almost two, I guess, two and a half weeks or so. Uh, that was a game against the Sacramento Kings that the Hawks also uh, you know, lost at home. It's just one of those things. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, and the Wolves made some more national news with a shakeup of the starting lineup before this game started. They actually went with no point guard. Um, Jeff Teague, who is of course a former Hawk, um, has been the starting point guard there for multiple years now, but they actually ended up going to a lineup that does not include a point guard really at all. It's Jarrett Culver, Travion Graham, and uh, Andrew Wiggins is the primary ball handler. That's just something to talk about and note throughout this game is that obviously Teague did play, but he was the only point guard that really played for the Wolves. They were playing some bigger lineups, and that puts the Hawks in some inter- interesting positions throughout the game. 
So, um, I will say, obviously, the first half was the better of the two halves for the Hawks. Spoiler alert on that one. But the first quarter had some hot and cold moments. Defense was very much optional in the first several minutes of this game on both ends of the floor. Um, the Hawks opened 6 of 8 from the floor and 4 of 5 from 3. The Wolves made their first seven shots including three threes, um, and the Wolves went up 15-10 early on. That prompted a timeout from Pierce, but a four-point play by Trey Young tied the game at 17-17. Minnesota, though, uh, opened this game 10-11 from the floor and 4-4 from three to take a six-point lead in the early going. They scored 25 points in the first five minutes and five seconds of this contest. Finally, they cooled off after that. Um, for the rest of the half, pretty much, but still a pretty pretty fast-paced and high-scoring open to this game on both ends of the floor. Um, the Hawks did play a full bench lineup um, early, in, sorry, midway through second quarter with uh, Turner, Bembry, Crab, Vince Carter, and Bruno Fernando getting some time together. The Hawks were down eight points at the end of the first quarter, despite shooting 50, 55% from the floor and 44% from three. If you tell some money. Like, no crazy turnovers and that kind of shooting. Um, being down eight at the end of the first quarter is a pretty pretty surprising outcome, but Minnesota just, like, set the world on fire, basically. Uh, Trey, Trey was very, very good early on. Had seven points, four assists in the first quarter, and uh, Jabari Parker had nine points in the first quarter as well. Um, as a top-line thought, I was pretty surprised the way that the Wolves defended Trey Young in this game. They played some pretty soft coverages on him. Um, for the most part, the last couple of weeks, it's been a lot of aggressive, blitzing, trapping defense that he's uh, seen, and the Wolves did not really do too much of that, which surprised me. Uh, and it wasn't terribly effective because Young was you know, very, very good in this game, as you'll see by the numbers in a second when we talk about Trey Young. But that was a surprising thing that the Wolves did. It didn't, it didn't bite them, obviously, but I wanted to at least note that it was a different coverage for a lot of the night that the uh, Hawks were seeing from the opposing defense. Um, the second quarter was by far the high point of this game for the Hawks. Uh, they, got, they got down by 10 in the early going of the second quarter, but then rattled off a 9-0, sorry, a 9-1 run that included a pair of threes from Young to slash the lead to two. Uh, Trey hit four threes in the first 16 minutes of action, including that was only 12 minutes for him, so he was uh, red hot in the early going. A lot of whistles on both ends of the floor during that little stretch. Kind of killed the flow a little bit, but the Hawks took advantage for the most part of that. They had a 19-4 overall run that included a lot of stuff from Trey Young. Uh, I, 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 I counted at least three, like, fantastic passes during that run. There was, a back, there, was, there was a behind the back pass to Parker for a dunk. There was a couple of lobs to Reddish and Jones. And uh, Young had 17 and 7 uh, midway through the, through, through the first half. Um, that was pretty darn impressive. And uh, he was the biggest reason why they were keying a, a, a big run there in the second quarter. There was another 8-1 run later on in the half for the Hawks to close the half, actually, to go up by 10 at the break. That was a surprising outcome based on the first few minutes of the first quarter and then, of course, um, most of the you know time before that. So going up by 10 at the half was a surprise. It was 34-16 in the second quarter. The Wolves shot 7-7 to start this game, and then were 12-35 of the rest of the way in the first half. In the second quarter, the Wolves shot 5 of 20 from the floor and 1 of 9 from 3. The Hawks were 12 of 23 from the floor and 3 of 4 from 3, so that kind of illustrates the difference between the two. And uh, Atlanta was fantastic in that second quarter. That was probably the high point of, I mean, obviously the high point of the night, but one of the best quarters of the season, honestly, all things considered, from the Sox team. Uh, at the half, Trey had 21 and 7. Jabari Parker had 14 points, and the Hawks had a 124 offensive rating. Um, Unfortunately, that was not to be continued because uh, the second half was basically all Wolves. Um, it did take a little while for uh, Minnesota to sort of assert their will a little bit. Um, in fact, the Wolves, at, at the early going in the third quarter, I sort of threw a punch, and the Hawks really withstood that, pushed their lead back up to actually all, all the way to its uh, high point of the night at 12. 
And then it was sort of a slow decline from there. There was a lot of uh, defensive rebounding issues for the Hawks. So it's not not a big surprise based on the way they've not been rebounding in the last couple of days um, and games. Um, but that allowed Carl Anthony Towns to sort of peck away at the lead. They got down to eight. Um, got it. Got it down to two behind. Uh, Towns had 15 points and eight rebounds in the first seven minutes of the of the second half. He sort of took the game over for a little while there, and that allowed Minnesota to get back in the game. Um, there was an ugly play at one point, at least a potentially ugly play, where Bembry got fouled on a dunk attempt. By uh, by Jeff Teague, and fortunately, Bembry was not injured. That was a video a video review, and ended up being a common foul. I was surprised by that. I thought it was not not like not dirty, but definitely dangerous from Jeff Teague. Um, so I was not uh, thrilled to see that be called a common foul. I sort of understand the spirit of the rule versus the letter of the law kind of thing there, but I didn't love to see that, and I was glad that Bembry was okay. Um, later in the half, sorry, later in the quarter though. The Wolves scored six straight points to uh, put the Hawks down by three, and the Wolves had all those offensive rebounds that really did, really did a lot of damage. Um, Atlanta went to a small lineup at the end of the third quarter, and honestly for a lot of the second half, playing a bunch of switching defenses, not trusting the centers in, in the second half necessarily. They played Jabari Barker at center. The first time they did that, it did not work really at all. Um, Parker played the last two minutes, seven seconds at center in the third quarter, and the Hawks did not score a single point. And if you're going to do that lineup, you have to score because obviously defensively you're going to give up a lot. Um, I asked Jabari after the game if anything changes for him. Basically, it's just straight ahead switching sk- scheme. And you know, there's, there's a theory behind that, but right now, the Hawks don't really have that kind of small ball center to get that executed without John Collins. So they have to try it at, at certain times against a small lineup from Minnesota. But when Lloyd Pierce was asked about it as well, he just kind of said, you know, let's go out there and switch. And, you know, re- reference the fact that Minnesota was playing small, but uh, that was not terribly effective in the second half of this game. Uh, the Hawks did get, did get it back to two at one point on a free throw by Damian Jones, but five straight from the Wolves early on in the period. Prompted a timeout from Pierce and then. They did, you know, to the credit of the Hawks, to some degree, probably the only bright spot in the second half was the fact that they they went they went to Trey Young on the bench, down by seven, giving him one, one final breather in the fourth quarter. And when he came back in, they didn't lose ground, and that was a big thing. They were only down by seven when he came back in. The game was not over by any stretch, and honestly, it looked like it might go get away from them a little bit while Trey was on, while Trey was on the bench. So the fact they were able, able to hold on was encouraging. But the run kind of never came there. It was kind of a slow bleed from that point forward. The Hawks were down by seven with 3.30 to go. Then a, a couple of uh, threes in a row by Bates, Diop, and uh, and Wiggins to make it 13 with about three minutes to go. And that was basically the end of the night. It was a lot of double-digit stuff from there. It was pretty much pure garbage time for the last two full minutes of the contest. And uh, no real run on the way for Atlanta. So, obviously... Not the greatest performance in the world. This was a very winnable game for the Hawks. You could tell the, the frustration that was there from Lloyd Pierce after the game. In fact, he came that he came into his his post game press conference. Usually gives some, some some sort of opening statement. And this game, he he just sat down and said, "quote bad loss." End quote. That was it. Um, so you could tell he was frustrated. Uh, he was not exactly uh, you know overflowing with 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 content we would say after this game so I'm sure there's some frustration there when you lose seven games in a row and this one they were in a good position you know up 10 at the half at home against a team that they're not much worse than I, I, Minnesota is a better team to be sure but you know at home in that spot you're supposed to win that game up, up by 10 at the half so that's kind of brutal and I think the team sort of sensed that after the game there was not a lot of excitement going on in the locker room. Um, offensively, um, the second half kind of gave way. Um, in fact, you know, after the halftime, um, after halftime, it was really, really not very good offensively. Really, I guess I would say at either end of the floor, but offensively, the Hawks shot 34% from the floor and three of 19 
from three in the second half, whereas the Wolves shot seven of 14 from three, and they got to the line 23 times, 20 of 23 from the, from the free throw line for Minnesota. Some of those were a little bit sketchy, but still, Minnesota just played aggressively, and uh, they just kind of took over the game, honestly, in the second half, led by Towns, and uh, some good execution up and down the roster from Minnesota. Uh, defensively, the Hawks, you know, for the full game, a 117 defensive rating is not good by any means. Um, they allowed 14 offensive rebounds. You know that didn't that wasn't the only thing that, that killed them, but it was a big factor. They just could not close possessions when they when, when they needed to in this game, and uh, it's been a problem. I tweeted about it a ton before the game on Monday, pretty much all all during the day. And um, it's not just one guy or two guys or three guys. It's a problem up and down the roster right now. They, they're just not closing possessions as a defensive rebounding team. And when you have as much um, in terms of personnel issues as they have and execution issues, you have to do some things well defensively, and right now they don't really do anything well defensively. So there you go on that. That uh, sort of explains what happened there, and um, yeah, not, not ideal by any means. So um, we'll get we'll come back in a second to talk about the individual players and some final thoughts on this game, but uh, before we get to that, here's a quick word from our sponsors. All right, we're back to talk about the individual players in this game. I will start positive on the bench, and that's Bruno Fernando. Bruno had 13 points, 4 rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block shot in 17 minutes. He was 5-6 from the floor and uh, made his only 3-point attempt. 13 points is a career high for Bruno, so shots to him for that. As I said before, he played 4 games in 4 days, and I asked Pierce about that. Um, you know, He seemed pretty upbeat about that. In fact, he said it was the, the first half anyway, at least that he, he sort of corrected himself. He was going on to say that this is the best game that Bruno's played, and then he sort of amended it to the first half. I would agree. He was better in the first half than it was in the second half, to be sure. But a positive game from Bruno. There were times, as I've said on the podcast before, the last couple of weeks, where he just looked completely lost. Um, it seemed like he might be getting some flow. That's kind of the argument for playing a guy in the G League and getting some extra time in. He played 30 minutes on, on Sunday. He was obviously probably going to be pretty tired, but he still you know, has young legs, all that stuff. And he looked more comfortable in this game. There were still some high-profile misses from Bruno. But still, I thought he played at least reasonably well off the bench and led the bench in scoring. He was actually the third leading scorer for the Hawks in this game, which is kind of surprising. But uh, that kind of goes to the fact that it was kind of a two-man show offensively for most of this game for Atlanta. Um, with Bruno playing more and also Damian Jones um, and and the fact that they, that they just kind of went small at times in the second half, um, Alex Limp had four minutes in this game. That is jarring. Um I'm on record as saying that one's the best center on the team. I still believe that. I didn't. Nothing's changing for me in that regard. I know it's a weird matchup against Carl Anthony Towns, but he could have been playing against Gorg- against Gorgi Jang. I just I do not endorse the strategy of having Alex Lynn be the eleventh man. That, that that does not make any, any sense to me. Maybe there's something weird behind the scenes that we don't know about, but Alex Len is the best defensive center on the team, pretty clearly, in my opinion. And offensively, it's not been great this year, but it's not like he's um, completely useless. So it's just kind of weird to me. They were plus six in his time. I don't really care about that. It was, it was such a small sample size that I, you know you couldn't take too much from it. But uh, I am curious to be sure as to why he would be playing four minutes in this game. Um, Damian Jones, by the way, was minus fifteen. We'll get we'll, we'll get back to him in a second. That's not all those guys by any means, but I just don't really understand the allotment there. Uh, we'll come back to that at a later date, I'm sure. Um, elsewhere on the bench, not too much going on, honestly. Bembry only played 16 minutes off the bench. He had some nice moments, but uh, had one high-profile turnover at a bad time. Did have an assist and a steal. 3-4 from, from the floor. is pretty aggressive in a little bit of time. Um, Vince Carter, a pretty quiet night. 1-4 from the from the floor. 1-3 from three. Had an assist. Had two fouls, three, three points. Just kind of a quiet night for Vince. But uh, not you know rebounding-wise, he's part of the problem. When, when he's playing small ball four, Vince is not a, re- a re- rebounder at all. And when paired with guys like Damian Jones, it's not going to work out very well for you on the, on the defensive glass. 
Evan Turner, still limited in terms of minutes, but one of five from the floor, not efficient, but did have five assists. That's one uh, positive thing that I wanted to point out on the bench. Five assists in 11 minutes is not, not a small number by any means. I think Turner's still playing pretty well when he's out there. I wish he could play a little bit more, at, honestly, at the moment with the way that the roster is shaking out. And finally, Alan Crabb had a good first half, uh, cooled off after that, but did have seven points and seven rebounds to lead the team in rebounding, at least tied with Jabari Parker in that stat. His shooting is very valuable, but other than that, not too much going on there. Uh, to the starting lineup, Damian Jones, as, as I said before, 19 minutes for Damian, seven points, three rebounds, two block shots, had one monster block shot along the way that was sort of a spike job. That was that was a cool moment in the uh, in the building. But Damian, you know, basically all three shots were very, very easy buckets or dunks created by Trey Young for the most part. And, uh, yeah, defensively, you know, he could sort of switch and be an athlete at times, but his rip protection is not great. His, uh, his rebounding is very, very bad and, you know, highs and lows there for Damian Jones. Um, Cam Reddish came back in this game. He was not very good, in my opinion. Uh, seven points, three rebounds, three assists. A couple of nice moments. He had one nice finish through contact that he actually got to the line for, for a three-point play on. Um, but other than that, not a lot going on offensively. He was 2 of 10 from the floor, 0 of 5 from 3. So getting back a little bit to where he was before he had a nice two-game uh, renaissance there before he got injured. I'm not worried about it. It's just one of those things where he was just not very good. And a couple of the national folks got some pot shots in at Cam um, that were in the building tonight. I know John Hollinger made a tweet about Reddish. Um, yeah, just one of those things. He was not very good in this game. Defensively, he had some nice moments, but offensively, it was kind of a mess overall. Deadry Hunter slowed down after, uh, I believe, eight straight games with double digits and a big game, of course, on on Saturday. He only had seven points on three of ten from the floor, one of four from three. Um, five turnovers for DeAndre. That was, his, uh, I think, his one of his worst ball security games so far. Offensively, it was just a mixed bag from him. Not, not great by any means. He wasn't terrible, but uh, not his best work, to be sure. Um, Jabari Parker had a nice game offensively, 22.7 rebounds, did have two steals and two assists as well in 34 minutes of play, 9-16 from the floor, 1-4 of four from 3. You know, Jabari's defense is always a problem. Um, off the ball, had some nice moments on the ball, I thought, actually. Pretty pretty competitive. He was flying around a little bit, giving good effort. He talked about the uh, fact that it's, it's kind of just execution stuff right now. He um, he did the uh, post-game interview on camera and then actually stayed a little bit after um, to talk a little bit more than that. And Jabari just kept kind of referencing the fact that it was not an energy issue uh, or an effort issue for the defense. It was just execution and just kind of being in the right spot at the right time. He also owned, owned it on himself, saying it's you know it's partially him. And I, I, you know I agree with all that. I don't think it was an effort issue tonight. They just they just weren't executing. He's sort of a post child for that in some respects. But um yeah, good offensive night. They definitely needed his offense as they always do right now with the way that the team is constructed. And then of course finally Trey Young, he was uh, awesome in the first half. He was a little bit he was not quite as good in the second half as nobody was. Basically basically for the Sox team, but still a masterful offensive showing for him in general. 37 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds. Did have 7 turnovers. A lot of that's just kind of having to press and do too much when uh, he's not not getting a lot of help. But 11 of 28 from the floor, 5 of 11 from 3, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. So getting getting the line efficiently, making making threes at a, at a pretty reasonable clip and also taking a lot of them um, didn't, didn't necessarily have his uh, finishing game going in this game, really at any point. A couple of uh, layups that he normally makes or floaters that he normally makes. But other than that, the shooting was there. 
He's productive, creating stuff for, for others. Uh, I, said, I said this earlier, but you know the way that Minnesota defended him was kind of baffling. They had Travion Graham on him for most of the game, at least large portions of the game, starting the first and third quarters. That was a bold choice from, from Minnesota, and uh, I think the Hawks were happy with that. Um, but other than that, you know, Trey was not the problem in any way, shape, or form in this game. He, he played hard. He played well. And uh, yeah, there's only so much, so much that one man can do offensively, and we saw that sort of on full display here because the Hawks, when he played, were uh, pretty good offensively, and when he when, when, when he when he did not play, they were not. So, you know, he was minus seven in a 15, in a twelve point loss. So in the five, sorry, in the twelve minutes that he did not play, the Hawks were minus five. So yeah, that sounds about right. Um, maybe even a little bit worse than that. Um, before garbage time, but alas, um, you know, it's I'm sort of out of things to say when it comes to this losing streak. You know, it's fairly self-explanatory, but I'll say it again here just to be perfectly clear. This team right now, without Reddish and Hunter, I'm sorry, without Collins and Hunter, I should say. Wow, I can't even talk Collins and Herter. Um, is uh, not very good. It's not breaking news. It's just not, you know, this is a game tonight that is one that the Hawks, I almost said going into the game, and I, I held back because of the fact that Towns was on the other side. It was a bad matchup in, the, in that respect. But this is a game that was very winnable for the Hawks on paper. And if you look ahead to the schedule the rest of the week, at Milwaukee, at Indiana, at Houston, those games are all all far more difficult than this one. Maybe Indiana is a little bit winnable on Friday, but at Milwaukee and then at Houston on the back-to-back is pretty tough. So if you want to stop the losing skid, this was probably the night to do it, and at a halftime, you're up by 10, and you just can't finish the job. Part of that's roster stuff, because clearly this team is not very good on paper at the moment, even with Trey Young playing very, very well. Um, I hesitate to say that it's all about Collins and uh, Herter not playing, but it's a huge thing. Everybody's thrusting to do is that they're not necessarily equipped to do, and um, sometimes the simple explanation is also the right one. This team is not um, as constructed preseason. Was not I, I would not have told you that four and thirteen was the most likely outcome. That's where they are right now, and uh, you know after two and zero, oh, four and thirteen would have been sort of unthinkably bad, and that's where they are. So. I guess the object now is to avoid four and sixteen. Um, after the first twenty games, if you can, get, can steal one of these on the road, you might feel a little bit better. And obviously, those guys are coming back at some point with uh, Collins and Herter. But uh, yeah, they're digging a big hole right now. If you're trying to be holding on to playoff aspirations, um, you know, being four and sixteen at the end of this at the end of this week would, would be kind of uh, brutal for that. But you know. We'll be talking more about this as we get going throughout the week here, but uh, I would certainly urge Hawks fans, I know people, you know, if, you, if I judge them by my uh, Twitter mentions and the ones for PeachtreeHoops.com, I will say that uh, there's some frustration this evening. That's okay. I mean, fans are okay to be high and, high and low. That's not, you know, you don't, you don't have responsibility necessarily to be always rational when you're a fan. I totally get that. Um, I do think that... Uh, avoiding getting too low is the best way forward here because at the end of the day, I know there were people that thought this was going to be a playoff team, but um, this is still a rebuilding team right now. It's still a, a team that's got real transition and real um, you know, sort of glaring roster issues. And through that prism, it's pretty easy to avoid being too low if you just think about it a little bit. Um, you know, going into every game, I mean, I'm fond of saying this as a good proxy, but the Hawks have not been favored in a game this year uh, in Las Vegas. They have not been favored in a single game. That's 17 times they've not been favored. They were underdogs in 16 games and a pick them toss up in the other. So through that, you know, four and 13 when you're never favored is not a terribly shocking result. They've lost a few coin flips along the way. Tonight was a game they certainly could have won, but um, the schedule's been brutal 
that's something that has to be said as well. So looking ahead, the schedule will be lighter. They'll have more talent on the floor in the future when two of their top three or four players come back. And, uh, you know, so don't don't panic just yet. We'll see how things go the rest of this week. But, uh, yeah, the sledding's not getting any, any easier until next Monday when, they, when, the, when the Warriors come in. But uh, we'll be here throughout the week. Um, I know it's a holiday week. I'm still planning to do podcasts um, at least one after the game on Wednesday. And um, I think I will probably do both games over the weekend. If not, um, in, two separate, in two separate shows, I'll definitely talk about both of them in one in one show. We'll see how the weekend progresses. Um, it is a holiday. But I, I, I love a break, but, you know, the, the Hawks don't give you breaks. So it's one of those things where we'll be talking uh, probably into Thanksgiving morning <laughs> when it comes to the Wednesday night game. So please stay tuned. Please tell a friend about the podcast. Tell two friends. Do whatever, do, do whatever you want to do to tell the, uh, I guess, spread the word about the podcast. That's the best way that I can put it right now. But thank you for listening, as always, everybody. Um, and we'll see everyone, I think, at the very, very latest. It'll be Wednesday night, but maybe even a show between now and then if something else happens. And uh, thank you for listening, as always. We'll see you then.